Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm a cowboy. Or I play one on TV or the radio or something like that. I suppose if I was a cowboy, I'd talk a little bit more like this. Sorry about that. Yeah, we got it all down here. It's Wednesday. Welcome to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. We like it around here. That's right. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Sorry. Don't know what I was thinking. Don't know. I don't know what you're doing, Slim, but get on over here and round up these cowboys. Um, anyway, um, hi, how are you? Uh, welcome to the program. <laughs> it's like a last-minute mad scramble. I had to restart the uh, simulcast three times to get Facebook to finally pick up and uh, and participate this morning. It was just disappointing. You know, everything's fine. I've been here, you know, sitting here reading stuff for 45 minutes, doing my stuff. And then the last two minutes is this <laughs> madcap scramble to try and get everything to go on the air like it's supposed to. Anyway, that's a little behind the scenes baseball for those of you who care about that kind of stuff. Anyway, hi, how are you? Welcome to the program. <laughs> oh, man, you got to laugh because otherwise you're going to cry miserably. Um, It's Wednesday. And uh, that means hump day, and that means it's the middle of the week. It also means that uh, in hour two, we're going to be joined this morning by none other than the man, the myth, the legend. Well, he's not a legend, but he's quite a good guy, and we enjoy having him on every week. It is State Senator Mike Shower for the Shower Hour of uh, Power. He's going to be doing, uh, he's going to be doing uh, a, a, a thing with us this morning. And uh, talking with us, uh, and uh, we're going to go over the budget and so much more. That's right. It's going to be uh, going to be a fun discussion today. I hope you are ready to go um, and ready to dive into this thing uh, and talk about all of that stuff as well. Plus, this morning we've got some analyses analyses of everything that's happening. Um, and uh, in the world around the state of Alaska, including some good news on the Higher Education uh, Endowment Fund. Um, <clears throat> and that is, I guess, not endowment, investment fund uh, is, the, uh, is, the t- is the technical term for it, the Higher Education Investment Fund. So we're going uh, we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about that and what the ramifications are with that. Also, a little bit of a discussion on, I mean, this Roe v. Wade thing, um, which I 100% support, 100% support the overturning of Roe v. Wade and turning it over to the states, which is what the federal government, uh, what the the Supreme Court decision said. Um, I fully support that. But there are definitely some questions as to... um, um, Definitely some questions as to what does it mean 
for the midterms. Uh, and there might be a silver lining here uh, as far as the race for Lisa Murkowski as well. And we'll uh, we'll chat about that just a little bit. And some interesting things that came up during this article. There's an article in the uh, ADN <clears throat> that is talking about this as well. Um, and what I think interestingly enough happens in there is kind of a tipping of the hand of the Democrats about how they feel Um uh, about Murkowski and what maybe part of their plan was, which may now have to change because of this. I mean, the leaking may have been good for motivating Democrats in the base on the one hand, but on the other hand, uh, it may upset some of the plans of the Democratic Party here in the state of Alaska uh, in their support of uh, Lisa Murkowski. So we're going to talk about that as well. What else we got here? Oh, Q&A. There's a bunch of Q&A questions for the 48 congressional candidates in the special primary. Um, the ADN has got them. It's, it's pretty lightweight. It's pretty brief. But it's interesting to uh, see what they have to say here um, in, their various, uh, in their various responses. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about that as well. So uh, where do we start? Um I think we will start. I mean, we're going to I'm going to open up the phone lines here in a bit. I know that somebody's on hold already, uh, but you're just going to have to hold because I got stuff to talk about. So I think we need to first and foremost um, talk about um, the Supreme Court decision. So the state the state Supreme Court has now affirmed the. um case against the uh, handful of college students who sued the administration for draining $410 million out of the Higher Education Investment Fund. Um, This was all part and parcel of the reverse sweep, where at the end of the fiscal year, um, they they sweep all the basically unencumbered monies out of the various accounts, and they sweep them into the CBR, the Constitutional Budget Reserve. And that provision is in there to basically make sure that the CBR gets paid back on all the things that it needs. Now, the CBR is empty. This is where the majority, we keep talking about this, you know, 16, 17, 18 billion dollars that was spent on state government out of savings when we didn't have enough revenue coming in and the legislature refused to cut back on the size and scope of government. And uh, this uh, this is where it came from. Now, according to the Constitution, that money is supposed to go back. And part of the mechanism for that is this reverse sweep. Now, after it happened, of course, everybody started screeching to high heaven about how you couldn't do that to us because we people were dependent on it. And it's, I mean, it was the whole thing, right? The PCE, the Higher Education Investment Fund, the uh, Marine Highway System stuff, I mean, there was just a lot of things that got swept into that fund. And normally there's a sweep and then there's a reverse sweep, meaning it gets swept into the CBR and then there's enough votes to reverse that sweep and sweep all those funds back out into their various accounts. Well, this time around, this last go around, there was not enough votes for the reverse sweep. So the money remained in the CBR. And uh, that irritated a lot of people. And of course, uh, they want to protect their spend on this. Now, the opinion on the Power Cost Equalization Fund, the PCE, was a little bit of a different critter because the PCE has been set aside and uh, created under its own corporation and dedicated. It's essentially bypassing the dedicated funds clause of the Constitution. 
where the Alaska State Constitution precludes the dedication of any funds inside the general fund. Uh, the Supreme Court has recognized and realized that the um, that the uh, higher uh, education uh, the higher education investment fund is in fact a part of the general fund and therefore subject to the sweep, uh, which I think is good news because again it kind of it holds to what the Constitution called for. But what is a little more troubling is that here we have in this article in the ADN, we have people like Pat Pitney, who is the president of the University of Alaska system overall. She's the overall president. Remember, we've got three separate levels of bureaucracy inside the university. She's the top, top chief and commander. Here she is being paid by the state, part of the state system, and she is out there advocating and saying, in fact, uh, that she is going to continue to fight for these monies to be pulled out, again, utilizing your funds, um, and saying, we're not giving up. We've been simultaneously working to fund the HEIEF and the programs it supports through legislative action. I always found it ironic when you've got people who are being paid and supported and all their financial remuneration <laughs> comes from the government then petitioning and fighting with the government for more of that money. I just found that ironic, I guess, uh, in, 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 in the long run. Anyway, there's a couple bills that are being discussed. One is House Bill 322, which passed the House on Monday and is headed for the Senate. And that bill uh, would, in fact, do the same thing that happened to the Power Cost Equalization Fund, where they would create and carve out apparently a separate corporation for the uh, for the uh, the higher education investment fund, and therefore it would be precluded from being included in the general fund balance, and it would not be subject to the sweep. Uh, that bill also includes a uh, provision for the Alaska Marine Highway System that apparently it would do the same kind of thing. It would create a separate account outside of the general fund uh, with some kind of corporatized structure outside of it. And and the problem with this is, of course, is that inside the Constitution of the state of Alaska is a very specific clause that, again, precludes the dedication of funds. Now, they got around that by saying, well, these are designated. These are not dedicated, designated. It's a big difference. Big, big difference. Which, again, I think it, it, it flies in the face of the intent of what the framers of the state constitution were trying to do. They did not want carve-outs for special interests and all these various things. They wanted, wanted them to be subject to be swept at the end of the year so that each program and each project could fight for the funding that was available on a yearly basis. But, you know, the politicians, they want to make it easier on themselves. So we just want to, we're just going to do this. We're going to put these in here, and that way we don't have to fight about these programs every year. Every year we don't have to justify what we're doing. And, of course, the promise to politicians or to elected leaders in the state of Alaska and pretty much in every state around the country was never that we would make it easier on them to do their jobs. That's not the whole point here. The point is is to be as fiscally constrained and as fiscally responsible as possible. And unfortunately, the nature of government is to grow. And we've seen that at every level. I mean, really specifically, you know, if you want to talk about monkey see, monkey do, we can look at the federal level and see what's going on there. 
I mean, they've never seen a dollar that they didn't want to spend. They never saw a dollar in the future that they didn't want to leverage and then spend. And so anytime we see things like this where stuff's got to be, it's got to be guaranteed, it's got to be protected, it's got to be, you should be raising your eyebrows to say, if this is an important program, then every year it should be able to justify itself to the elected leaders of that legislative session, and they should all be in accordance with it, or at least a majority should be in accordance with it, and they can do it. Instead, they want to break it out, separate it out. It's the same argument that they made, by the way, for the BSA, the base student allocation, which needs to be uh, destroyed. Uh, It needs to be undone because, again, it takes the fight out of and takes the discussions out of what is happening with education and automatically ratchets it up every year based on a rate of inflation and everything else. Now, it may not be a whole lot that it's ratcheting it up, but it does – accumulate over the years and of course it doesn't allow discussions for the things that the bsa covers so all these funds would now be outside of the general fund in their own little separate funds where they could then be protected according to the decision on the pce that they would be protected from the sweep and could be basically do with what they wanted to do. whether it was a corporate structure or a bureaucratic structure or whatever Rob Myers in the chat room tells me it doesn't create a new corporations. It just puts them outside. There's no change in the management. It just means that they can't be swept anymore. So, I, you know, this is, this is the danger of some of these new bills. So HB 322, again, is out of the House and now moving over to the Senate. I don't know what the chances are of the Senate actually doing anything with it at this point are, but we're going to be watching it. The House of Representatives also passed HB 229 last month that would protect the fund from future failed legislative votes, and it has not been heard in the Senate Education Committee since then. So we'll have to see where this goes, but um, it, it well, I guess I would just say it's disappointing how much the legislators seem to want to protect the government spend at all costs in protecting all this future fund. You know, here's here's the worst case scenario. Let me break this down. I know how a guy got a minute. Here's the worst case scenario. None of these things get protected outside of the general fund. And the people who are supportive of these measures, whether it's the whammy, whether it's the higher education investment fund, whether it's the, you know, even if it was the PCE, I mean, if we played the hypothetical game, all these people would have to do is make their arguments every year that these funds or these programs are necessary. And they would have to compete amongst all the other programs that are out there and available. By taking these things and setting them aside each time, You carve out more and more of the operating budget and more and more of the dollars that could go out there or dollars that could be then spent instead of being restrained in another account could then be swept back in and used for other programs. You're basically taking all of the discussion around all of these things off the table. And they're like, well, we just don't have time. Well, first of all, if you took care of the PFD, you'd have a lot more time to talk about other things. Second of all, I believe all of those things should have a yearly review. I believe all those things should be discussed on a yearly basis or maybe a biannual basis if you want to do something like that. I, I That's fine with me. But this end run around the constitutional directive that said there should be no dedicated funds is just that, an end run around the Constitution. And it should not be allowed. That's my take on it. 
But we're going to continue this discussion on the other side. we got more coming up. We're going to talk about Murkowski and the Roe v. Wade situation as well. And I suppose we'll open up the phone lines. We'll, do we still have a call? We do. They've been on hold for a while. I guess we'll figure out who's on the line and maybe we'll start off the next break with a phone call. We'll see where we go. If you want to participate, I guess I will allow you to jump on board the Pivotel call in line. 433-3150. 433-3150. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break. <laughs> That's something I didn't even mention. Uh, Kevin McCabe in the chat room says, instead of actually fixing things, we dance the line between dedicated and designated to remove the verse sweep ability from the minority, which removes their only leverage from the entire session. That's that's what it is. Um, all right. Well, let's see who's here on the other line here. I don't know who it is, but we'll find out. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Buenos dias, Mike Brady from Las Vegas. What's up, my friend? Hey, um... Don't you think it's kind of funny that uh, what's happened now with the revealing that they're going to reverse Roe versus Wade, that it's a cover-up for Russia and the 2000 Mules video, which was released yesterday, showing all the corruption. Do you think it's a smokescreen? I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. Could be. I mean, sometimes they're always dropping. They're always dropping something on to uh, try and you know keep things rolling. But I can't. I can't guarantee it. Another quick thing: Did you see that the Russian army has now have several of our military in custody, and also a Canadian general? This is not even making the news. This is from the Azov steel plant. They got this. This is an awful Canadian general accused of sex crime, child mutilation, child rape. This is what's going to be coming out because Russia broke into the Azov steel plant yesterday, blew out a wall and saved thousands of civilians that were being held by the Azov Nazis. Okay. See, this news is not making the general media. I'm sure it's not even making it up to Alaska, but I have several friends in Russia that I follow daily and what's going on there. It is 100% BS what they're saying about Russia. 100%. Okay. All right, Brady. Well, I appreciate you uh, sounding off this morning um, with uh, with your pro-Russian propaganda, I guess. Um, anyway, I, I, it, I, I got nothing. I got nothing on this right now. Um, I mean, people who are in love with Vladimir Putin and thinks that he's the second coming of Christ and doing all doing God's work out there protecting us from everybody. Uh, I'm not saying that we are as pure as the driven snow, but he definitely is not the second coming of, of going to save us from the save, to save us from the new world order. Yeah, for his world order. Are you kidding me? That's 
Yeah. I mean, wow. Um, okay. Uh, but I appreciate the comments, even though I disagree with them. I'm sure that somebody will show me a report that somebody printed or created in somebody's basement that it shows that everything that Brady just said is right. So that's fine. Um, all right. Uh, we are about uh, just under two minutes out from rejoining the radio right now. Um, simply put, they're making changes to the Constitution without making changes to the Constitution, Chris says. And that's that was my whole point, is this whole dance around the dedicated versus designated thing. Several legislators just don't like following the law. They better. They know better, don't they? I mean, that's, again, the politician's disease all over. Um, if as much people put, in, put as much energy into fighting election fraud as they do the dividend, we may have a chance. I, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't hold my breath on that, Karen, right now. I would not hold my breath. Uh, Alaska Asks also has a Q&A for candidates. I haven't seen that, Susie. Can you send me a link to that? I appreciate that. That would be good to watch. Roe v. Wade will not be overturned. It's a ploy for votes. Best way to get libertarians and some pissed off conservatives back into the fight. Well, this thing is nowhere else in the body. This is going to be playing. Don't play into it. Elon Vice Twitter. Um, remember, the Supreme Court hasn't done it. It will never happen. They are playing on people's emotions. Well, I mean, I don't know. Roberts confirmed that it was a leak from the court and that they were looking into it. Um, so, I mean, he did confirm that that is a first draft. Now, that doesn't mean that it can't come back. It just uh, that it, that it couldn't change. But uh, I think it's a pretty good indication of where the court may be. So I don't know. I think that they may uh, uh, find it. Um, All right. Uh, Let's uh, continue and uh, jump back into this. The Michael Duke Show continues. You're home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. Thanks for coming on board. The Michael Duke Show continues. Hour one. We got got more coming up, including Mike Shower in hour two for the Shower Hour of Power. Right as we were going to the break, um, Kevin McCabe in the chat room made a valid point that I had not gotten to yet on the whole discussion about the Higher Education Investment Fund and this fight and this court case and what they're attempting to do in creating all these separate accounts that can't be swept and everything else is he talks about how they're basically trying to take any power away from the minority at all. He said, instead of actually fixing things, we dance the line between dedicated and designated, which is what I was talking about, to remove the reverse sweep ability from the minority, to remove their only leverage for the entire session. And he's not wrong because the majority, excuse me, the minority is required for that reverse sweep vote. So if they take all their special programs, all their pet projects, all their special interests and crony capitalist ideas, and they move them into separate accounts outside of the general fund, 
in the same protected way that things like the power cost equalization fund are created, then they essentially end run the con- around the Constitution, and then they don't care. Sweep all you want. Don't give us the reverse sweep. All of our pet projects are already out in the, you know, are already out and being funded and not subject to your reverse sweep. So there you go. It's, again, trying to remove the ability from, and you know what, this this could backfire on the uh, on the uh, majority, the House majority right now. Because here's the thing to remember. Just like that we saw during, for example, during the Kavanaugh hearings and everything else, you may regret taking power away from a minority in the long run. Because one day, you will be in that minority. One day, the pendulum will swing back the other way, and all of a sudden, you'll be on the other end, and you'll be the one that's decrying this thing. I mean, this was the whole thing about the uh, the uh, you know the Democrats removing the whole filibuster thing from uh, from appointments and judi- you know judicial appointments and things like that, and and all of a sudden they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a second, we can't. Yep, now you're screwed. This is what happens. You know, we shouldn't have too much power in the hands of the majority or the minority. It's supposed to be a balance. So allowing them to take away the only real power, the only real voice and choice that the minority has is is probably the most um, devious thing about this whole situation. That's what it's that's what it's about. Um, so anyway, thank you, Kevin, for bringing that up. Uh, Tuckerman says the state Supreme Court twisted the obvious language of two provisions of the state constitution, no dedicated funds and the constitutional budget reserve in an absurd decision. I mean, I, I would agree with that, but it was, you know, it is what it is at this point. Um, you know, the courts in Alaska seem to consistently decide along the lines of supporting the government. I I still, I mean, one of my biggest concerns in the state right now is the judiciary and their tendency to basically uh, do everything they can to protect the government spend at any cost at this point. Because that seems to be, that seems to be their role in the state right now. Um, and that is, that is probably one of the unsung battles that needs to be fought. Uh, and really, quite honestly, is one of the arguments in favor of a constitutional convention, even though, again, I'm kind of squidgy on it because I am <clears throat> I am very concerned, especially now with this leak of the Roe v. Wade decision, that you will see millions of dollars being poured into the state to try and uh, to try and essentially buy uh, and uh, buy into it to creating a constitution uh, more towards progressives likings than anything else. So I, 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 I am, I am, con, I am concerned. I'm concerned. Um, Kevin McCabe, your point is most important point. Poor performing programs are shielded from reform with designated funds, says Donna Ardwin, who should know because she was in the OMB looking at all this stuff. And she definitely makes my point for me here is that each one of these programs should have to argue on the merits of the programs each and every year, they shouldn't be shielded from any kind of reform by some locked-in formula or some some shielded account that just does what it does, and we have no say in that. I mean, it, it, we we should not be doing some of the things that we're doing here.
creating different accounts that can raise money or self-generate money that could be used every year. That's one thing. I understand the concept behind it, but it should be used on a excruciatingly limited basis so that these programs do not develop a life of their own. As we've seen in the discussions with the Power Cost Equalization Fund, that a lot of those programs are going not towards creating things like more renewable or sustainable uh, energy uh, situations for creating bigger infrastructure for cheaper electricity for these things, but instead playing, play, paying rather direct subsidies and stipends to people. You know, instead of teaching a man to fish and letting him eat for a lifetime, they're giving him a fish every day kind of thing. And um, <clears throat> anyway, it's uh, it's 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 troubling. And, of course, somebody points out in the chat room that the current Constitution has some progressive, I would say, quasi-socialistic aspects to it. And, I mean, I agree there are problems in our Constitution, but don't don't throw out the good in the theoretical favor of the better in the future. I mean, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying I am currently undecided on the con-con because I have seen firsthand what the gobs of money that will be thrown at this state can do. I mean, you only have to look back as far as ballot measure number two to see what happens when you get a good PR team together and give them several million dollars and say, convince Alaskans that this is a good idea. Because that's what happens. I mean, you get people who voted for ballot measure number two that had no idea what it really did. All they knew is it gets rid of dark money, dark money, because that was their imaging. That was, I mean, that was, that was what they put in those ads. That was the things that they, I mean, again, you want to see just $7 million, I think is what um, the, uh, that proposition group spent overall. If I remember the last 7.2, maybe. In a state of 700,000 people with just over 535,000 registered or, you know, good voters on the rolls. And they flipped it. And the some of the people that I've talked to that voted for it, they're like, it did what? What, what do you mean I got to vote for 48, one of 48, and then I got a choice of four? And what do you mean? What? You didn't read the 32 pages of instructions and backgrounds and changes that were going to be made when you voted for this? There were 32 pages in the voter pamphlet on ballot measure number two. You didn't read them all? You mean you only listened to the ads that talked about how dark money is going to, that was, you know, the irony of the whole situation, by the way, is that they were talking about ads about taking dark money out of the state uh, election process. And of course, that whole campaign was paid for by dark money. So, yeah, forgive me if I'm not a little more rah-rah on the Constitutional Convention. I agree that it may be the only way to fix things. But if we are not diligent, if we are not watching and on our guard and not getting people motivated and don't get the right people in there, we could be boned at the end of this thing. And yes, you're right. The Constitution's not great right now on several of the provisions. Although I don't know how you unkerfluffle some of that stuff. 
How do you, I mean, with the state, with the federal government essentially uh, removing everybody's mineral rights and laying it to the state, I mean, that was through the statehood compact. That's not something that we can just go, hey, we want to reverse that. I mean, I just don't think that's going to happen. Some of the quasi-socialistic aspects of the Constitution. I didn't write the damn thing. I don't even know if it could be fixed now because of the way things are set up in this state. But that's a much bigger battle than I think you want to get into on this. I understand we want to put a spending cap in. We want to constitutionalize the PFD. And we may now want to take on both the judiciary and Roe v. Wade in this new constitutional convention. But how many fronts can we fight the battle on? We may be fighting the front on the battle of protecting the PFD in the Constitution, of creating a spending cap, maybe even taking on the judiciary. But you can only find the bat- fight the battle on so many fronts. If the Roe v. Wade thing sticks, then guess what? The Planned Parenthood crowd and the pro-abortion crowd are going to come in here and try and enshrine it totally, even though Alaska, for their right to privacy clause, the Supreme Court has decided that that does cover abortions. They may come in and want to put even more strident language in so that it can't have anything, you know, can't it can't be changed. So how many how many fronts can we fight the battle on once we open up the Constitution? Anyway, um, ballot measure number two only had 28 pages. I'm sorry. I thought it was 32. Maybe 32 included the front pages of it. I'd counted it at one point. That was two years ago. It was a lot of pages. I know that I got to page 17 and I said, why am I reading any of this? There is no way that this many changes should be done through a ballot measure. There is just no way that this should be done. This is so complex, it doesn't even matter. But, okay, Susie, it had 28 pages, not 32. So, apologies for missing that. I threw the book out. Otherwise, I probably should have kept it as a memento to say, look at this. 32, 28 pages of, I mean, do you think if it, the difference between 28 and 32, how many people do you think actually got through all 28 pages, Susie? You? Maybe, you know, 1% of everybody else. I mean, I do this for a living, and I only got to page 17 and said, why am I reading this? Because I'm not voting for this, because I am not going to allow these many complex changes to be moved forward on a ballot measure. So, that's, that's, all, I'm, that's all I'm saying on that. Holy cow, we came up to the next break already. I didn't even, all right, phone lines are open. Uh, you want to hit us with it, let's talk about it. 433-3150-433-3150. We are going to continue. We've got more coming up. It is The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. We will return with more and your phone calls on the Pivotel call-in line right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. Regularly heard on American radio. All right, break time. Uh, in the break right now, uh, we're talking about uh, all the stuff that's fit to print going on in the state of Alaska, and uh, we'll have to see what's going on. I've got to go back and read some of your comments here in the chat room. So what is Liberty Radio, says Morwick in, on Twitch? 
Um, well, I guess it's uh, radio and discussions from a libertarian perspective, free thinking, positive. That's that's what it is. Um, mostly Alaska business, so you probably don't care too much about it unless you live in Alaska or are fascinated by Alaskan politics, which is what we mostly dedicate this show on. Except for, of course, Friday, which is Firearms Friday, in which case you may be excited to follow and watch. I don't know. But uh, are you alt-right? I'm a libertarian. <clears throat> uh, everybody hates me. I'm definitely not alt-right. <clears throat> All right. Um, Michael Chambers comes back and says, any product must be ratified by we the people. At some point, we have to consider the failure of the legislature and take this mess up ourselves. Well, again, Michael, I'm not saying that this is not a this is not probably the only solution that's available to us. I'm basically saying that going into this, the CONCON, the Constitutional Convention, should be done very carefully. Because you're right. Anything that they do must be ratified by we the people. But remember, they voted for ballot measure number two. Right? And again, most of the people that I've talked to that voted for it, with the exception of a few libertarians, are like, yeah, right on. Um, Most of the people were like, it did what? No, no, I thought it was just to I thought it was just to do to to get the dark money out. I thought it was I didn't realize that it yes, 28 pages of changes. I mean, so yes, you're right. The people do have to ratify it. The problem is the people can be swayed by money as shown by what just happened in ballot measure number 2. You know, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying go in eyes wide open. That's what I'm saying. Concon says Chris is an all-you-can-eat buffet for special interests. That's that's kind of my point at this. At, yes. Um, the Missouri plan, which was designed, which designed our judicial council mess was abandoned by Missouri. Alaska is the only state with a Missouri plan. Yeah, well, you see things. Um, This bunch down there believes that allowing cherry-picking certain programs for forward funding is getting them ahead in the future. No forward funding on the last year. They're all in office before they're up for election. How dumb is locking up a portion of the budget into place so in January the new legislature has to go undo it? Well, again, it makes it 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 it's a perfect thing for election year, right? Because they can point to all the great things that they've done. Look, I forward funded education for for two years. Well, great, but what if we need that money for something else? Because you can't bind over another legislature. So how what does that really do? And well, it takes the pressure off, and then they have to do. And then if they do undo what the previous legislature done, the question becomes: Well, why do you hate children? Why do you hate children? You want to unfund the forward funding of education for other things? Why do you hate children? I I bet you're a pedophile. Right? I mean, that will be the implication at some point. You just hate children. That's why you don't want to fund them at the maximum level. No, I don't want to fund them at the maximum level because they've done so poorly with the money we've given them so far. In fact, we're ranking at the tail end of the pack in pretty much every scholastic achievement that we can possibly do. And you're saying that what we really need is more money for the broken system that's already gone. And I'm just saying that, you know, repetition of the same thing over and over again is the definition of insanity. That's what I'm saying. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Jeannie. <laughs> Jesus. Jeannie just said, pedophiles don't hate children either. Okay, I write. Probably a bad... But I'm just saying they're going to paint you with every broad brush thing that they can about how you hate progress or how you hate society or children or how dare you take money out of their mouths or out of their school lunch program or out of their music curriculum or whatever it is that they're going to paint you with because you would dare to defund the forward funding of education if that's what I mean, if you needed that money for something else, that's the thing. Anyway, it's uh... all right. Did anyone get correction via email that the representative U.S. election is actually June 11th? Does it say that it's not June 11th? Is there something that says, I mean, we've known it's been June 11th since the like two or three days after they announced it. Was it printed somewhere incorrectly? I don't know. Jeannie, you can hit me with that. If, If I missed that, then I missed that. Uh, We received a ballot also for our son who hasn't lived in Alaska in over two years. What a mess. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you almost go on a rant? I missed those. No, I almost went on a rant, but I pulled myself back from the edge. All right, we got to go. We're rejoining. Like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Hit subscribe, ring the bell. Let's do it. Okay, um, I suppose we should uh, open up the Pivotel call-in lines some more since I promised it. 433-3150-433-3150. Again, the Pivotel call-in lines powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. Speaking of Satellite West, I want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to one of our sponsors. That is, of course, Satellite West and the Bivy Stick. Bivy Stick. That's as in B-I-V-Y. That is in as in bivouac. The Bivy Stick. It's this tiny little device, which I'm holding up for folks on uh, on the internet to see right now. It's this tiny little device that uh, connects to your cell phone via Bluetooth. And you might say, "Well, so what?" Well. It gives you the opportunity to turn your phone into a satellite communicator. Now, you can't talk. There's no voice attached to it. But you can send texts. You can send emails. You can download maps and pin yourself on a map so people know where you are. You can get weather forecasts, regular aviation, marine forecasts, and everything else. And this whole thing, this little thing, $199. $199. No activation fees. Um, they've got plans starting as low as 14 bucks a month for sending you know, texts and emails and credits and everything else. It's got a little button here on the side of it that's a little check mark. And when you push the button, it sends a pre-done message that you set up that says, hey, I'm okay. Uh, and here's where I am. And then it's got a little red button at the bottom of it underneath this little tiny flap that you pull up and you push the button. 
and it sends another message that you pre-do that basically says, I'm injured, I'm hurt, I've fallen, I can't get up, here's my location, come help me. You could set it to automatically drop pins wherever you are. So if you're traveling on foot, you can set it to do it every 10 minutes. If you're traveling by snow machine, you could have to set it every five minutes. If you're traveling by airplane, you could have it drop one every two minutes, depending on how fast you're going, so they can follow your course as to what's going on. This is the ultimate peace of mind. It is the it is the this is the piece of kit that everyone should have in their emergency bag, their survival bag, their bug out bag, whatever you call it for whatever you use it, whether you're a pilot or a snow machiner or a doomsday prepper or whatever it is that you are. This is the ultimate piece of kit. It uses the Iridium satellite network to talk to anyone, anywhere. As long as you can see the sky, your phone can send a text message or an email to anybody. And for $199, I mean, what? That's cheap. And forget about cellular congestion or cell phone towers going down. I mean, remember when we had the earthquake in 2018? And the cell phone towers were just completely slammed. You couldn't get through. Some of the towers actually went offline um, and all that kind of stuff. If I had had a bivy stick, no problem. I could send texts and emails and everything else, let everybody know I was okay. Five days of continuous battery life on a single charge with 10-minute tracking. So, I mean, it doesn't matter what you are. I mean, if you have a plane or a snow machine or a boat, um, you know, kayak, train, submarine, snow machine, car, bicycle, unicycle, whatever it is, you should have one of these in your pack to go with you because this gives you the ultimate peace of mind. You can find out more at your local dealer, uh, about your local dealer, rather, at SatelliteWest.com. Just click on the Bivy logo. That's B-I-V-Y, Bravo Indio Victor Yankee, as in Bivouac. And uh, you can go to your local dealer at Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks, South Central Radar on the Spit in Homer, the Safe and Sounds in Wasilla, Anchorage, or Soldotna. Communications North and Seward. And Lundy Marine Electronics in Dutch Harbor. Thank you to Bivy Stick for sponsoring the program. We couldn't do it without you. Tell them I said hi when you're there. Would you please? That would be great. Okay. Um, what are we going to... What are we? To, I wanted to talk about this thing with Murkowski, but I'm not going to have enough time now, am I? It's, I've only got six minutes. Um, all right, well, let me say this about the interesting thing about the the deal with Murkowski. The, the, the article in the paper says, Murkowski faces backlash after justices she supported appear poised to roll back abortion rights. Um, so while a lot of people say this is bad for Republicans because it's going to motivate the progressive base, others are now looking at this and maybe uh, how, what the effect is going to be on Alaska. Because remember previously... We haven't seen a Democratic challenger come up against Murkowski, and I think that that was intentional. There's no Democrat in the race for progressives to turn to. Uh, L.V. Gray Jackson got into the race for about 12 seconds that discovered that there was absolutely no support for her, financially or otherwise, and got back out. And I think that I personally think that she was advised to get back out because they were, you know, she was going to split the vote for Murkowski, which they just didn't want. Well, now the whole Roe v. Wade thing is broke, and people are outraged that she dared to support uh, Alito um, and Amy Coney Barrett and uh, Neil Gorsuch. Uh, you know, that how dare she support these people? She's supposed to be on their side uh, as a Republican, I guess. Or I guess at least that's what's next to her name. Um, 
What's interesting is there's a couple quotes in here. Uh, one of them was from uh, the quote is from Jeannie Ashcraft, who's a 79 year old, uh, apparently progressive. She was in one of these uh, one of these uh, uh, protests yesterday over the Roe v. Wade thing. She said she had declined a request for support from a Democratic state senator, Elvie Gray Jackson, who launched their short-lived campaign for Murkowski's seat before dropping out. Ashcraft, a Democrat, said she feared that splitting the vote between Murkowski and Gray Jackson risked creating an opening for Kelly Shabaka. So, I mean, it, this this is right from this is right from the playbook. Al Gross is not running for Senate. Al Gross is running for the uh, congressional seat, Don Young's seat. Somebody just said Al Gross is running for Senate. No, he's running for the congressional seat. Um, the interesting most the money part of this whole article, though, comes very at the very end where it interviews Lindsey Kavanaugh, who is the executive director of the Alaska Democratic Party. She said that the draft opinion on Roe v. Wade underscores the importance of having a progressive voice for Alaska in the U.S. Senate. She said in a phone interview that the party is in active conversations with potential candidates who, she added, may be more motivated to run by a Supreme Court decision limiting access to abortion. She said, we're not going to let Lisa Murkowski have this race. I think up until this point, they were more than happy to have Lisa Murkowski have this race. Kavanaugh said she was frustrated that Gray Jackson hadn't drawn more support. Um... And, of course, she withdrew from the race back in March, basically saying she didn't have the money. She said, I am continually am disappointed that Democrats would wait for this sort of situation, which we all saw coming, to decide that it would be advantageous to have somebody in the race. Now, I, I, again, I think that there was a little more uh, – I think that there was a little more wink-wink, uh, nudge-nudge going on in the background this whole time. They didn't want anybody you – know, they didn't want anybody – if they put somebody – remember what happened during the Joe Miller thing, Right. I mean, Scott Adams was running for Senate. Uh, was running for Senate. Scott Adams was running for Senate. Joe Miller won the primary. Lisa Murkowski mounts this huge writing campaign, and the Democratic Party essentially threw Scott Adams under the bus. They didn't want him to get any votes because they were basically all backing Murkowski. So anyway, this is uh, it's very interesting turnabout. So maybe tougher now in the midterms. Maybe it's going to. Uh, cause a little bit more pressure on the purported red wave that's coming. I don't know yet. We'll see how much of a hot button issue the abortion thing is for uh, many of the Democrats. I mean, it, it it is one of their seminal issues. Does it motivate them to get out? And was this early enough that now it doesn't matter? Is it Peters down to November? I don't know. So we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens there. Um, all right, coming up here in just a moment, uh, we're going to be talking with State Senator Mike Schauer, who's going to come in and talk with us about HB 55, which is the, um, which is the uh, defined benefits bill for first responders. This was the bill that Josh Revac, in a purely political move, pulled a Rule 48 um, uh, uh, maneuver and got it out of committee after, with the help of some Democrats. Uh, and even before he actually did the maneuver, he was already out there on social media talking about how he was supporting, you know, the first responders and the unions. He was looking for that union endorsement. And, um, it, it, you know, again, this is a purely political maneuver. Something is going to, so we could talk about that. We could talk about the budget. We can talk about, 
We'll we'll discuss all those things with uh, with Mike Shower. How about that? All right, <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna continue here in just a moment with Mike Shower, the Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, uh, Free Thinking Radio. We'll be back with more and State Senator Mike Shower right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. Josh Revac also said he needed money for his campaign, then went for union support. Imagine that. Well, you go where the money is, right? I mean, who's got the money? Who's got the money in this state? Oil companies and unions. That's where you go for that. Oil companies and unions. They're the ones with the deep pockets. Um, let's see. Scott, Scott Adams was anti-open pit mining and was rural Alaska's best option for preventing Pebble and Donlin. Those folks out here got so BSed that they lost sight of Pebble to support Lisa. Of course they did. I mean, of, of course they did. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the election for replacement senator was it's supposed to be ranked choice voting. My wife and I received absentee ballots in the mail, but there's only one choice. Is this correct? Okay, so there's two things going on here. First of all, Don Young's seat is up for election. Um, In a special election, you should have received a ballot in the mail for that with 48 different candidates on it. You get to choose one. Um, the The Senate race is going to be coming up. If you ask for an absentee ballot, I don't think they would even come out yet because the Senate race... The jungle primary on that is not until August the 16th. Then the general election will happen in November. So, but if you ask, if you got the the congressional seat, there should be 48 different candidates on there, and you get to pick one for the congressional seat. Um, so you should not have received a ballot with only one choice. You should have received a ballot with 48 choice. But you can only vote for one of them. Hence the jungle primary. And then these candidates will be whittled down. And then on August 16th, we will have both the special general election and the regular primary on the same day, on the same ballot, apparently. And you will have both ranked choice voting of the special election and then the jungle primary for the regular primary. So you'll only be able to vote one on one and four on the other. If that's just not clear as mud, please tell me what's going on. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm just seeing if there's anything else going on here that I'm missing. Apparently, there was something printed somewhere where they said the special election was June 1st, not June 11th. So they're trying to correct that as well. I mean... This thing has been such a well-oiled machine this whole time. I I don't even know what to say at this point. Mike Shower joins us uh, in the uh, uh, in the studio or on the phone in the studio, on the phone in his car in the studio. I don't know what he's doing. Good morning. How are you, my friend? I am dandy. How just are you? just 
Just dandy. I'm fine, fine, just fine. I have a different word every week, just for you. That's right. That's, I'm just, I am just highfalutin. Um, all right. What uh, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna dive into this here in just a minute. I'm still trying to get through some of the comments uh, uh, in the chat room. Uh, we're still waiting on you. Still haven't gotten your election bill through, so we're gonna hold off on that. But we are gonna talk and dive down into the discussion on HB 55 and the budget and whatever else comes across the transom while we're there. And am I am I on board with this? Is that what we're talking about? Well, if you're on board, I'm on board. Okay, man, you're so compliant this morning. Write me, write me a check for ten thousand dollars and send it directly over right now. Okay, um, hold on, uh, we'll be right. Forty-two hundred dollar PFD would that work? Yeah, man, baby, just do it for me, will you? Right now, just commit seppuku right in the middle of the legislative session. I am going. If you do not do it, I will commit. And they'd all just sit around with a popcorn. I'm sure. Um, all right. Hold on, uh, hold on the, uh, hold on to your, hold on to your, your seat there for a friend, for a minute, my friend. Um, nuts. Why default to D's be motivated? What happened to ours? Have the opportunity that they've wanted to decades. The path has been cleared about this. Why have we worried about the D's enthusiasm? And what about our enthusiasm? Are we defeated before the battle is commenced? No, no. I mean, I'm not. <clears throat> I'm excited about this. Don't get me wrong, Ben. Uh, don't get me wrong at all. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just saying that it's interesting to watch how they see it as this golden opportunity for themselves. Yet at the same time, now they're in this torn conundrum because how do they support Murkowski because of the whole cancel culture thing? And I mean, it's interesting to watch. I think this is an enormous opportunity, quite honestly. We'll see. Um... There's a fundraiser for Nick Beggage and Soldatna tomorrow, 5 to 7. Uh, Scott Adam, we talked about that. Uh, question for Shower, would it be a good strategy for Dunleavy to surrender the veto this year too? Well, not if he'd like to get reelected. I mean, I don't know what Shower's going to say to that, but I'll tell you right now, not if he wants to get reelected. Um, let me open the phone for Shower real quick. What do you say? If he wants to get reelected, does he surrender the veto or not? And they say surrender, like not use it on anything. I, I guess that's a, that's what I'm reading into this is that to surrender the veto this year too, meaning he doesn't really veto anything. I think that that would be catastrophic for him. Well, I mean, he's the final safety check for anything that's bad. So I mean, vetoing just just for politics maybe not the best answer for anybody. But yeah. quite frankly, if there's something really terrible. Um, then, you know, you kind of hope that he would use it. So yeah, I, yeah. I guess it would just depend. Okay. All right. Good. I'll put you back on hold because there you go. Uh, Jimmy is in the chat room. Jimmy, you asked me yesterday about that picture I was using yesterday of the harbor. That was from Kodiak, by the way. I'm sorry I didn't get a man. I was going to mention it to you, and I just saw your name again and remembered. You were asking what the picture was on the splash screen yesterday, and that was for Kodiak. Um, today, it is a picture of um, Homer. So it's the Homer. It's all harbors this week. I'm doing a theme. It's all over. It's harbors this week. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. It is The Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live. Hey, don't forget, you can always join us out on Facebook uh, or YouTube or Twitch. Any one of those, I'm multicasting. I'm, I'm trying to take over. Just go to Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show slash live. If you want to join in the conversation and ask questions, talk in the chat room, let's uh, let's talk about all that. We'd love to hear uh, all those discussions with you here this morning as a secondary way of getting things done. It's hour two, and that means uh, it's Wednesday and hour two. So that means it is time for the, wait for it, the shower hour of power, which is just my silly way of saying we're going to have a one-hour discussion with our friend, State Senator Mike Schauer, who joins us right now. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm fine. That one hour always feels like about two minutes. Yeah, it is. It is. It is pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty swift, isn't it? It just doesn't doesn't get around. Just zoom right on by. Yeah, we flies we, by. Look, we call this the fastest two hours in radio for a reason because that's what it seems to happen every day. I just get started on a topic and then I got to go to break, or I just got to wrap it up, or whatever. It's what happens. All right. So um, we're still waiting. You haven't uh, – SB 39 hasn't had a hearing yet, so we're gonna, we're waiting on that to hear. we got really nothing to report on that, so we're going to put that aside for this morning. Uh, that hopefully later this week we'll have some more information on that for next week uh, because we are officially 14 days from the end of the session right now, two weeks from the end of the session. Um, but we do have discussions on a couple different things. One is the budget. I do want to talk about that. The second thing I want to talk about – is some of the uh, some of the maneuvering the maneuvering that's going on in the legislature in regards to a couple different bills, including Mia Costello getting rolled uh, over uh, HB fifty five, which is the uh, uh, defined benefits program for first responders. Uh, she got rolled out of her committee by Josh Revac and a couple of hench critters uh, on this, and uh, for a bill that is going to cost us a lot of money. Uh, and it was strictly what appears to be at this point strictly a political maneuver. Um, I don't know if you want to comment on this, but I would love for you to, if you would like to. Well, I mean, it's no, it's no secret. I mean, I can comment on it. I was there, um, and uh, that is what you said is true. Um, Josh uh, Reback um, did roll the chair with the Rule Forty Eight um, last. Well, last week, it was, I was going to say it was really Friday, but it kind of happened over the course of the week. And um, that House Bill 55, which is 
going back to what's called the defined benefit plan from a defined contribution plan. Mm -hmm. The the defined benefit is like, you know, you have a retirement that is, you're paid every, you know, month, you know, except depending on the tier, because we had those tiers here, tier one, two, three, and four. And one and two are very lucrative, you know, very high pay, healthcare, all kinds of great benefits till you die. And right. Of course, you wouldn't want that kind of retirement, right? Right. Um, so very popular, but also very expensive, and pretty much you know can break the bank. And Dodd Frank rules and other things apply that mean you have to have a lot of money um, on hold, uh, you know, and available for the program. So very expensive. Defined contribution would be what most people think of like a four hundred one k, and you usually get like an employer match, and you can put X amounts yourself in and. You know, and then it's there's pros and cons to everything. Mike, obviously, it's nice to have tier one and two if you can get it, but they're expensive to maintain. Right. Um, Defined contribution plans for a company or a state government, you know, whatever. Um, it's portable. The person can take it anywhere with them. But once the the government or company writes that check, they're done, right? Because that person, uh, when they retire, they get all that money, but they're gone. The government doesn't have to pay anymore. Uh, there's nothing else they have to keep on the book. It's done. So. The cost of it, plus the, the liability that you have to hold on to for that, is is extremely expensive. And House Bill Fifty Five does that for first responders, I believe right. it's law enforcement, firefighters, EMS types, and uh, maybe Department of Corrections. I can't right. remember. Maybe four thousand some people, right? Well, and, and let me let me. I'm sorry. Let me interrupt your your stream of consciousness there for just sure. a second. Uh, because we did have a defined benefits program, as you talked about, Tier 1 and Tier 2 specifically. Tier 3 was also included, and then they finally broke it away with Tier 4 for a defined contribution plan. But tier, uh, especially the Tier 1, 2, and 3, um, that system, and, and when you say expensive, you ain't kidding. Because at one point, the state of Alaska had a $12 billion liability owed to that system. Um, and it was a it was a fiscal crisis. That's why we went to defined contribution because there was it was a it was a money ball that you could never get ahead of if you kept adding to the rolls, uh, and that was the problem. And that's what's happened across the country. Defined benefits across the country have become very passe. There are still a few of them, but companies like Delta and GM had defined benefits programs that they had to have the federal government come and bail them out on. Many municipalities yep. have moved away from it because it is excruciatingly expensive and you can never get ahead of it. And now yet they want to open up the floodgates on this yet what yet again. So to finish the, the thought on that, you know, even uh, Senator Von Emhoff had talked to me. We were discussing. I said, look, I, I told Natasha that she thought there was a way might be able to get to a uh, cost neutral status. Very hard to do, but there are some options talking to. Americans for Prosperity, some other, they had some actuarials and things they were looking at. The point is, you know, I would love to support, if there was one group, Mike, that I was going to support, it would be one only. It would be the ones that run to the sound of the gunfire and into burning buildings. I could consider that one nobody else. I'm not giving it to every office worker, blah, 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 in the state. 20,000 something, I mean, it, it just break us, right? So, no. And I told the, the, the first responders last year when they were coming around lobbying for it, I said, that's my fear, right? Well, guess what? There's already House Bill 220, which is for every state worker. It's so important. It's already happening, right? as I feared that it would. And, you know, House member Democrats already filed it, and you're already getting, you know, hundreds of emails. Please, 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 it's really important, you know. So I'm like, here you go, right? So that's right. not doable when this happens. But back to the point, 
of, you know, if there was a way to make it cost neutral for that specific group, I would consider it. It's not. Right. We're not there. We haven't taken the time to dive into that and figure out a way to do it. So I can't support it because of the, you know, the, the cost to it. And there's a lot more behind it. You know, a lot of other states are having recruit, recruitment and retention problems. It's not because of the retirement system necessarily. It's because cops are disrespected. People want to defund the police. Cops are bad. They're being shot you know, you know, and, and sitting in their squad cars because of what's happened over the last few years, you know, from different movements, you know, uh, about the police. And that's, that's a lot of it to me. So right. to the point of what happened with Rebag, the reason I, one of the reasons, maybe the primary reason I really have a problem with this one is because this was a personal one. He did this because he wants that bill out for his reasons and got Senator Stevens and Melvin Gray Jackson as a, as they said, to sign the Rule 48. You have to have three members of the committee. Senator Costello, because of the problems with the bill, didn't want to move it, right? Well, you know, they have a right to, to force a bill if that a majority of the committee wants to do it. However, here's where I have a real problem with this. We decided as a caucus in our organizing um, principles, so-called, um, is that if a majority of the caucus wanted a bill to move, then a chair would not hold up the bill. We would avoid the right. John Coghill scenario like he was holding up SB 91 repeal, the crime bill that virtually everybody wanted. And he was just exercising his will and said, well, he's a chair, you can't do it. No, the rules say you can. Everybody wanted it, but we didn't have that principle. Now we do. There was no outcry from the caucus. There was nobody that was asked. There was not a majority of the caucus that was ever, you know, polled to find out if we wanted to move. It was one person wanted it and got a couple other people to agree and they rolled the chair it was wrong in this case mike for a lot of different reasons not just the cost and the the fact that it should be looked at longer and harder and get it right and a whole bunch of things with it if it was going to be done at all it's that we didn't follow our own agreement on how we were going to do this and that is what we agreed to and by the way when you got to bring a democrat in to do it you know and you have an organizing principle there was only two uh, Republicans that did this out right. of, you know, 13 sitting there. And so I have a big problem with it. And um, that's not how we agreed that we were going to do business. And, and on top of everything else that's happening with the politics and people running for multiple offices and union endorsements and all the other stuff I've read about in the last few days, it just does not sit right with me at all. No, I mean, this is strictly a political maneuver at this point. I mean, it really was a bay to say, look, I fought for you. Look what I did. I pulled this from obscurity, and here's now it may not go anywhere and probably won't, but at the same time, look at what I did here. Now, let me rewind for just a second, because you said if there's anybody you were going to do this for, it would be for first responders. And while I respect first responders and all they do, I would never vote for this bill. I don't care if it was cost neutral. I mean, I don't care if it shaved us money in the short term, because in the long term, this is a camel's nose under the tent because there was you're talking you're talking about a bill that says it was for all you know that they're going to do all state employees. We had already heard discussion early on. They wanted to amend it to include teachers in there for first responders and teachers. It's always know, the, it's the camel's nose under the tent. We got away from this. We bled, sweat, and tears to get this thing to a defined contribution plan, so the state wouldn't go bankrupt or they wouldn't attach the permanent fund for it. billions of dollars. Um, this is, it's a ridiculous bill to pull out and then to beat your chest about it, which he did on social media is the offensive, I guess is what I would say. Well, I'm not disagreeing, Mike, with all that. I, I tried to make it that point for a reason. If there was a group 
and there would be only one that I would consider if it was available, if there was a way to actually make it cost-neutral, it would be this group. That would be the only one. I don't disagree. I, Like I said, that's why I gave you all the data. I said last year, I told them, I said, my fear, we do this for you, everybody else is going to want it. Well, no, you know, well, look at it. Already the bill's filed this year. So that's my point, is you're, you're not going to stop it. It's going to take it right back to the, hey, let's grow government, let's, let's, sh- let's shackle ourselves with this, and Anyways, it's just it's it's a, it's just another one of the nightmares that we create for ourselves because of the political side of it. So it's just it's wrong on so many reasons. And right. quite frankly, if if you want to go to that, we this this rolling the chair seems to be all the rage these days because we did the same thing to Senator Holland last Wednesday. And if you don't have time, because my internal clock's ticking, I can tell you about I got, that. I got one. Segment. I got one minute. Give me a tease, and we'll pick it up on the other side. Well, we've we've rolled the chair twice. We rolled Costello for the what we just talked about, and we rolled Roger Hall last Wednesday for another bill. So it seems to be all the the rage these days. And I can tell you the reason that we did that. So not not it seems to, yeah. So <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. In games, yeah, last, no. uh, last few weeks, standard. Uh, well, yeah, and this is—it's just going to get worse these last two weeks. I guarantee it. It's going to be a real poop parade when it's all said and done. All right, well, uh, Senator Shower, hold the line for me here. We're going to be right back to it. Senator Mike Shower, our guest, a GOP state senator for District E. We're going to continue this discussion here in just a moment. Again, don't forget to join us out on Facebook. Uh, where you can uh, ask questions during the break or listen to the conversation or just read the comments from the other folks out there. We're going to be back with more here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more after this. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we are in the break right now. 85 people in the Facebook chat, plus another half dozen or so. Uh, I think on the YouTube, I haven't looked, but it looks like there's about a half a dozen different commenters so far on the YouTube, maybe more. Um, I'd love to see if we could break 100 today. Uh, I see we got 31 people who've liked the show, but I don't see any shares. Can I ask you, can you can you do me a solid? Can you share the show? Share the show out with people that you know. Uh, invite them to join the conversation. Important stuff about State of Alaska. Whatever you want to put on your share title um, but would uh, with 84 people in here, you think we could get maybe 10 or 15 shares? Uh, it would be nice to have another, you know, 15, 20, 25. I'd love to break 100 today on the viewership for the uh, for the Facebook program. That's my goal. My goal is 100. Can you hook a brother up? I'm asking for a friend. Uh, anyway, go uh, go uh, go take a look at it there. If you could hit the share button, hit the like button. Uh, do all that thing, and uh, and let's get more people involved in the conversation. You can do the same thing, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube. You can hit subscribe, then you can ring the bell to make sure that you get notifications when we go live, and then you can share it. You can share it to all your social media feeds, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, the whole, the whole shooting match. There you go. Okay, uh, Mike Shower uh, in the uh, uh, in the in the in the phone room here in the phone with us right there, um, and uh, we are uh, getting ready to 
jump. I'm just starting to read some comments here in the thing. Revac has no problem bankrupting the state to gain political favor. Um, House, but House education cannot roll Drummond to end illiteracy. Again, that's the problem, right? You can't. Uh, they tried to do. Uh, we saw Kevin McCabe try and do that the other day with some other stuff, trying to invoke Rule 40, uh, 49. Um, it's a it's a it's a problem uh, as well. Um, defined benefits are already written into the Alaska statute. It's the formula for the PFD, which is equality and equity for every Alaskan's retirement plan or whatever they choose to use it on. <laughs> I mean, that's one way of looking at it. I like that. Uh, I like that idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could look at this historically. Now, where does this bill go from here, Mike? Does this thing essentially, is it dead on the floor? Or what happens now with HB 55 now that it's been moved out? Well, it goes to, uh, to finance, and they'll do whatever they do. <clears throat> and then, you know, because it's already passed the House, and it passes finance, it makes it to the floor. I mean, there's a better than even chance, in my opinion, it will probably pass because of politics. There's Republicans that are going to want to be able to say it you know, for their election, you know, uh, this year. And there's Democrats that, of course, they're going to love it because, you know, it's big government, you know, and defined benefit plans. And it's all, you know, so that they tend to ideologically at least vote for these things because they don't mind, you know, they like that. So right. I think that's just what you expect to see. So I would guess there's a better than even chance it passes. And we're going to, you're opening it with talking about the vetoes. This is one I'd have to look at the governor and go, Governor, hate to say we had to give it to you, but yeah, if we can't stop it. You're going to have to. Yeah, you're, you're the have to put the brakes on this one. Yeah, you're the but, line in the hand, that line in the sand uh, for sure. I mean, going back, um, there's a, a James uh, a, a Squires is posted in the chat room the vote on this in the House, and you're right. Some Republicans who I would never have expected to vote for it, including Mike Cronk. Uh, and uh, Laddie Shaw both voted for it. Although I guess I'm not surprised with Shaw since he is, uh, you know, former trooper trainer and all that kind of stuff. But again, I would say, you know, as much as I admire first responders, they're all paid fairly well to begin with, and their defined contribution is still pretty good. Um, uh, and so to open the door for potential, you know, opening up the potential door for uh, defined benefits for the whole state, oof. I think that's a huge problem. I would even as much as I would support them, I would still not vote for it. But as you said, there's politics at play here, and they may be voting for it on the floor anyway. Yeah, I don't know. At this point, we're going to have a choice. Had they let uh, the, you know Senator Costello do her job, had they followed her organizing principles, and actually gone around and been forced to get you know eight votes on a chit sheet, you know, to say that yeah. um, <clears throat> they had support to move this. I would have at least said, well, you follow the rules and so be it. But, and I will tell you, when we, I want to talk about this on the radio, we get back open. We're 20, we're 15 seconds, 15 seconds. Uh, So I'll stand by. I'll hold on. So pie hole. Um, All right. (laughs) We're going to be back. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share this show. Like and share. Like and share. Here we go. Okay, we're continuing now. Mike Schauer is our guest. Uh, We've been talking about HB 55, and during the break we were talking about the possibility of it actually passing the Senate, which is there is a possibility of it passing the Senate um, and being the camel's nose under the tent, uh, in my opinion, and there were some other problems. But Mike Schauer wanted to comment on something, but he wanted to wait, so 
here we are. Finish up this thought before we talk about Roger Holland's uh, uh, issues as well. Go ahead. So, you know, going back to it, Mike, we, that organizing principle that we would get eight, you know, of the eight of the 14 and the majority to say, hey, we're going to roll the chair. Um, uh, if that was the deal. And when I say roll the chair, we didn't have to roll the chair. The point was if eight wanted it, president would go to the chair, go, hey, you know, majority of the caucus wants this. Um, and of course, that's usually if you were having caucus meetings, you could discuss it, but we haven't had that. So we don't discuss it anyways. But it would be like, so move the bill on out so we don't get into a roll the chair, the politics, the, the anger, the, the divisiveness, blah, 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 right? That was a principle to avoid that. Right. I'm fine with that. That's That's a better way to do it, right? And so that happened last Friday when, when Reback and those guys rolled the chair. On Wednesday, we did the same thing to Roger Holland. The Democrats wanted um, the, the uh, SB 140, which was Senator Hughes's uh, at even playing field, not having biological males compete against right. biological females, right. you know, making it fair. And it only had one committee of referral. And it was going to pass out and go to the floor for a vote. Democrats don't, not all, but Democrats generally don't like that bill. And so they convinced the president, had a maneuver to get it an extra referral. Big battle on the floor last Wednesday. We, we stopped after a lot of contentious stuff and went back into, you know, one of the rooms and we had a little discussion. Um, and I looked at that one. That what was fascinating about that, Mike, is that, I know for a fact the reason that Roger Hollum, Senator Hollum, was rolled last week was because there's certain Republicans in the caucus angry they don't have the binding caucus rule for the budget. They have to rely on the Democrats to pass the budget. The Democrats were angry about SB 140. Senator Hollum, five members on his committee, right? Uh, another rule, in addition to 48, because there's all the different rules, another rule says that if a committee member has a majority of his committee, <coughs> and gets them to sign, you know, the sheet, then they can waive that bill out of their committee. They don't have to hear it. They can waive it. That's a, that's a chairman's right. So as soon as the Democrats said, we're, we're going to shove this over to judiciary and give an extra referral trying to kill the bill and make it take too long, Roger Holland immediately gets a sheet, has four of the five members sign it, because, of course, the Democrat on the committee wasn't going to sign it, gives it to the president. Well, that becomes a big explosion, right? Oh, this is problem. We're not going to do that. You know, you got to. So anyways, we go have a big argument, heated, you know, heated discussion in the side room. And what's interesting about that one to me is that the certain people really wanted to keep the Democrats happy because if you made them mad, they weren't going to have their six votes for the budget and the other votes they need to pass things because the Republican caucus is divided. So we rolled a chair for politics on Wednesday we rolled a chair for politics on Friday, and I'm going, when is that going to stop? I, we're trying to get SGR 6 to the floor um, on this week, which is the constitutional amendment for protecting the permanent fund dividend. Right. And, you know, I'm being told, well, where's your chit sheet with your eight votes? You know, so we have, I'm like, really? So we rolled the chair twice last week, but now if we're going to move one out of finance, you know, the powerful committee then, doggone it, you better do it right and have a chit sheet. It's back to that caucus equals Mike and how we're playing the game and who gets what. And it's very, just one more thing of being very frustrated with, you know, if we're going to have the battle over the PFD, because I'm kind of cycling back to that, 
which is starting on the floor today, I believe, Senate Bill 199, which is the statutory change bill, alongside the permanent fund dividend protection in the Constitution, the constitutional amendment that the governor filed last year. Well, what's the point of having the statutory bill change without the constitutional amendment? Because without that, it, it will fail and it should fail because we're not solving the problem, right? That was the fiscal policy working group last year. you got to solve you got to solve it. If you're going to change the formula, if you change it in statute and it's got to be protecting the Constitution without it, it's pointless. And I won't go there and a whole bunch of people won't. So it's back to, you know, how we're doing business. We can roll them sometimes. You can't roll them other times. Some people have to do it right and follow the rules. Other people kind of get to do it and we're, we're going to give them a pass. It's it's how the game is played. Um, it's politics. It's the power plays. And we're in that last couple of weeks where it all... Um, gets really really hot (laughs) well let's uh (laughs) let's talk a little bit about the budget then um obviously sb 199 is going to be is going to be factor you know prominently into this when we get done but what are we looking at for the budget so far what else is the senate doing here within this last two weeks to get those uh, final budgets done uh okay what are we doing to get the budgets done well the budget Yesterday, which was really interesting, was um, so the House passed it over in the separate chunks, you know, operating capital, et cetera. Um, I just saw this late yesterday because I wasn't aware of it, but staff was watching. And I guess the Senate Finance Committee um, role, or I, I hate to say the committee because not all the committee members agree anytime anything happens. So some portion of the Finance Committee, the co chairs or a group or whatever, combined all of the budgetary items into an omnibus bill. So that is a, uh, that's a big deal because now it's different and it becomes conferenceable. It's changed things. And there's some real issues with how that's going to play out and who gets the power right back to this thing. It's the, right. one of the things we complained about before, like having the finance co-chair strip, you know, safety projects like road and infrastructure out of the Matsu. You know, because that finance co-chair was mad, you know, that wasn't getting their way. That happened to us last year, caused a lot of explosions. So um, that's going to be interesting to watch today, tomorrow, how that plays out. Because, and, and there's another part, and I hate to keep saying PFD, but it's obviously a big thing because we haven't solved that problem. Um, and we refuse to solve it. I know people say, we'll just follow the statute. I got it, guys. But, you know, the majority of the legislature does not seem to want to do that. A, a minority of us are the ones trying to do that. And, and again, 11, 21, and 1, right? We well, don't have the votes. Exp- explain, so, explain to us the danger of the omnibus portion of the bill. Why? I mean, the average Alaskan doesn't understand how this is. So explain to us what, you know, in your opinion, what the dangers of this rolling it all together, what does that do? Well, there's a couple things. Number one, you take it in chunks. You can handle it a little better. It's easier to, to maneuver on it. It's easier to make changes and, and go back and forth with the House you know, on changes and things like that, um, agree, disagree, whatever, easier to digest, you know, things like that. Um, one of the dangers of the omnibus bill is shoves everything together, which means you're guaranteed you're going to give it, you know, lots of changes. It's harder to deal with, digest, change, um, work on. It's going to make the conference committee a nightmare because you have this massive omnibus bill to go through. It makes everything conferenceable. So let's just say that, you know, we knew the operating budget was going to be a conference. We're going to have to because of differences of opinion. Well, maybe we could have agreed on the capital, right, or the supplemental. So it just it's a maneuver to change the dynamic again in the favor of 
people that want to manipulate it in a certain way. I'm not even saying it could necessarily be a bad thing, but I'm not sure it's going to work out. And I'm already hearing some rumblings of people that are very upset that this has happened, um, both in the House and in the Senate. So this will be interesting to watch. I don't have enough data yet, just learning about it late yesterday on where this is going to go and how this is going to impact us, because I'm just getting I'm just getting to starting to wrap my arms around the budget, what's in it and what I'm going to do, because my focus, as you know, has been on the election integrity um, the last few weeks, trying to get it through to the finish line. So I have not been able to, you know, there's only so many things you can multitask on, and that's that's a big deal. So I've got one of my staff that's focused on it, so trying to get into it. But it's it's going to be interesting to watch because I don't have all the nuances yet on, on what we're doing. So because I don't get to focus on the budget, and I'm not qualified to be on finance, as we discussed a year and a half ago. <laughs> so um, that's going to be fascinating to watch. But this week, with the PFD part of it, is SB 199, the statutory change bill. But then, depending on what happens with that, if it fails, which I think it's most likely to fail, and even if we somehow pass some terrible version of it, uh, the governor is going to veto it. He has to, right? Because it's not going to be a, it's not going to be anything that's even a fifty-fifty. Most likely, it's just going to have taxes in it or whatever, and no constitutional provision. So done. Uh, it's got to fail, and, and I'm sure that the governor would veto it if we do waste our time on it and do it. In this case, because there's nothing, I just don't see a good path. But I hate to say waste your time, but there was the hope that maybe we would pass something like statutory this year, fifty-fifty moving forward. You know, something that was going to solve it in, in that in a way that might help us work, even though nobody on any side is going to like the answer. And then the um, budget is important after that, because are we going to put the PFD in it or not? If we fail on this, then we got to have a battle in the budget over the PFD and the amount, right? And that's going to be a big battle, because I'm making the argument, you know, I said the, the statutory with the money we have, the, the finance co-chairs just briefed us last week. And and on the money, and after we pay for virtually everything, I think including forward funding for education, which I'm not going to agree with, because if we're going to do forward funding, we do it for everything. And let's go to a two-year budget cycle. I'm not going to pick and choose, you know, for politics, which um, department we say is more important than others. I, right. I've heard that argument. I'm not going to buy it. And if they're going to leave that in there, I may just vote no on the budget because I don't agree with this. We've got, we've got to do it right or not do it at all. And if this is back to politics again. Well, you know, certain people want it for education just because that looks good. And, you know, we're not going to pink up teachers. Well, how come Department of Public Safety isn't important? Isn't Department of Corrections important? What about health and social services? It, you don't get to do this. And right. it, it's politics. So, no. But what will the PFD be? Because now it's going to be into the budget as opposed to a separate battle. And so, but the finance coach or brief said, we got four and a half. Listen to this one, Mike. Four and a half billion dollars because of the price of oil and revenue, et cetera, right. that the state gets. I hate the word revenue; it makes it sound like a business. The taxes the state gets, the permanent fund earnings, all of that. Four and a half billion dollars left to play with. I believe were his exact words, and we can't afford to pay two point seven billion total for a statutory PFD this year. You got to right. be freaking kidding me! And the economy needs it. The people need it. They're talking about. They've acknowledged how bad the problem is for energy for Alaskans right now. And even the House and all of its reticence to pay and follow the statutory PFD and the entire legislature to help their citizens of the last two years of the COVID nightmare have acknowledged we need to do something because they added their energy rebate, you know, $1,300 thing, whatever. <laughs> and you're going to tell me that we can't 
pay that this year to help people. I'm like, come right. on, guys. So well, this yeah. is to be really hot by the end of the week. I I'm, we're talking, yeah, and we're talking about that. I mean, with the with the whole budget said and done, four point four billion left to play with, as you said for the quote. Um, I mean, all they would have to do is break off another billion or so dollars, billion and a half maybe, to get it up to the full statutory amount, right? If they're already going to pay twenty five hundred. That's uh, correct. I mean, it, 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 and and they'd still have three billion dollars left to play with if they wanted to. If that's if that's the, the, I mean, that's insane. And that's fine, Mike. Put some back in the CBR because I believe in the current budget they don't even have it um, in the uh, CBR, which is the one we're constitutionally supposed to pay back. I think it goes like the SBR and something else. I'm like, well, if you want to put some back in, put it back in the CBR. Because that's our shock absorber if things do get bad, and they will. Prices will go down. We'll need money. So, you know, pay the statutory PFD, help the people out, bump the economy in the state, do the right thing for once, follow the statute. We'll change it. We'll make it all work out. And then put some money away. Put some, you know, back in the CBR, you know, pay a few things off, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Um, use it for good, including a little bit for the future while we have it. All of those things can be done this year without any stress on the system, Mike. I was talking to one of the senators yesterday. They said we could pay for every single thing out of the ERA earnings, everything this year, without doing one iota of overspend. That's how much right. money is sitting around right but now. They, so, and they definitely don't want to put that money back into the CBR, though, because then it puts it out of reach. It gives too much power to the minority because it requires oh, a super I know. Vote. Why do you think I, they don't want to put it in the exactly. CBR? Because it requires a three-quarters vote. Oh, they yeah. don't want to do that. No, they'll, they'll put it in the SBR, but they're not going to – but they're not going to put it in the CBR because oh no that but, then but we got to follow the constitution right, right but we, exactly here all the time yeah, exactly. we got to follow the constitution yeah. when they want to follow it yeah no i mean this is a, this is it's it's a very definition of insanity at this point uh all right mike showers our guest we're going to come back one final segment with mike and we're just going to give him his head to talk about anything he wants to talk about we can continue on this discussion or whatever else we do um we're going to continue the michael duke show Common Sense, Liberty-based, uh, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, you can join us out on Facebook if you want. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. We got the in-between discussions going on and any questions that could be raised there as well. And don't forget, you can catch all this on the podcast. If you're just joining us or you got to go to work, you can always listen to the podcast later on, which are always available directly after the show. And if you subscribe, it should automatically download to your device. You could find it on, uh, well, wherever you find podcasts. CastBox, Stitcher, GuyTunes, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and, of course, Spotify. The Michael Duke Show, continuing right after this. Our light, our guide our trusted friend. Okay. <clears throat> In the break right now. Uh, <laughs> it's Word Salad Wednesday. That's what, uh, that's what Harold said. We're not talking about the solution. Although we have talked, we have talked about the solutions many times. We've talked about. I talked about it earlier this morning. The foundation formulas and all these different things, and the attempts to put all these monies in various accounts so that they avoid this, uh, so they avoid the sweep and the reverse sweep, so they don't have to fight on equal turf for every other program that's going on out there. We talked about all that this morning. 
Um, but uh, anyway, uh, Mike. Well, I don't. I don't respond to that silliness. <laughs> don't respond to that. So- <laughs> That's right. I like that. Some, uh, some people would have gotten elected and gone in there, snapped their fingers, like I said, Mike, and magically everybody would have jumped as high as they told them to and fixed it. I, I know that because they they say it. They read it on the internet, so it must be true. If I was there, this is what I would do. Yep, you would make fifty nine other people do exactly what you want. Right? Sure, you would. Yep. Okay, whatever. Spread a little bit of compulsion around there, and everybody just follows. I pipe, I pipe my pipe, and all the little rats just follow me around, right? I mean, that's what it would be. I'm the Pied Piper uh, to get these things done. Uh-huh. Yeah, right, whatever, dude. I'm tired <laughs> of listening to it. I'm tired of listening to people, Mike, that tell us how smart they are and how stupid we are and why nothing can get done, and they have no idea. They will not listen to it's a numbers game at the end of the day. You can say whatever you want. If you can't convince enough people here to do it the way our system is set up it can't it won't happen and if you don't have alignment between the two bodies and the governor again because of the power differential it won't happen i had people yesterday testifying in finance public testimony on sb39 and they were talking about it and they were like well i want this 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 and this and this needs to happen i'm like what part of the house is controlled by democrats do you not understand I can't make them pass it. And if I leave the bill in the form that I would like that had stronger things in it, they simply won't hear it. And then you'll be mad at me because nothing happened. Right. It's, it, it's, a, it's a conundrum, Mike. People don't listen to what they're saying. Right. You can't just do it the way you want it. Like the people see can't say for spending. Cut, cut, cut. Great. Where? How? Yeah. How are you going to do it? I always hear that people are going to you know, say do it. How are you going to do it when you can't get it past the other 19 people in your body or 39 people in the other body? Right. You know, you get outvoted every time. Every Almost every single cut when you ever get, put in. Mike. When you get outvoted in your own caucus at this point, right? I know. <laughs> I, mean, I know. I mean, that's the it's thing. Like every, every single cut I've ever put in, many of them, everyone gets voted down. What do you want me to do? And I think that that just answered uh, Lauren's question in the chat room. Uh, she says, uh, you know, why are these election integrity bills stalled and why is there no signature verification in special elections? HB 96, SB 167. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, you would if you had had your druthers, you would have put an election reform bill that had much more, uh, much stronger language, much more strike, many more changes. But again, they would just not hear it. And so you have to go across the aisle to work with Tuck on the other side to find things, to find some of that common ground and, uh, you know, create some kind of compromise where everybody's a little bit unhappy when it's all said and done. But otherwise, you could put together these pure, these purity test bills that are everything that you ever wanted, and they will just basically sit there. They die. They never get a hearing. There are certain members right now in the legislature that are famous for doing that. That's pretty much all they do. I believe uh, Rep. McCabe talked about that last week. He tried to get a couple uh, bills pulled out of committee or the week before, I don't know, and somebody sent me a clip of it, so I watched it, and he was saying, I've got this bill, really important. I'd like to you know, make a motion to pull it out of committee. It was objected to by the committee chair. Now, they were Democrats, you know, whatever, but, um, but he's like, you know, there's a motion you can make on the floor to pull a bill out. Well, he did, and they said, look, this, these bills, and he did it twice for two different bills, like the red flag one and something, you know, on guns and something else. And they said the sponsor of the bill has never put in a hearing request, no sectional, no sponsor statement, no nothing. 
And if you don't do that as the sponsor of Bill, then you're just you're just doing it for show, right? Because you never actually do the work, and you're not actually requesting it. So you're not expecting it. Kind of yeah, you're not it. expecting it to pass. You're doing it basically as a virtue signal to say, "Look at the bill that I put in." I mean, it's never going to go anywhere because I didn't do any of the other stuff, and it has absolutely no zero chance of actually passing anywhere. But I can now say I put these bills forward. Yeah. Now you could legit you could use it legitimately as a point. If you did all the work, if you put the bill in, you you constantly go to the to the chairperson and say, "I'd like to hear it. I'd like to hear it. Here's all the stuff." You can legitimately say, "I'm trying," and they're shutting me down because of politics. But if you just put a bill in and say, "I filed a bill and I've got a dozen bills in," but you never do any work, you're not legitimately trying to do it, or you're only using it for political purposes. You can say, right. but they're not going to hear it." But how can you legitimately say it if you didn't try to do it right? So you've yeah. got to do the right thing, Mike. If you're going to do it you got to do the right thing. There's the politics side with Democrats, Republicans, whatever. And there is the, like you said, the virtue signaling side that's only using it for political purposes or as a political weapon. So, um, you know, you got to be careful and do your research because you listen to what people say. It's not always the whole truth. There's All almost right. always more to it. Yep. You got it. All right. Final word. Here we go. Jumping into the final segment. 29 shares. Let me get one more for 30, will you? Let's do it. Here we go. All right, we continue with Mike Shower here. Our guest, one final segment on the show. We were just talking about, you know, people saying, well, wave your magic wand and make it all happen. And uh, this kind of leads back to our conversations earlier in the week about uh, some of the legislators who are doing, I think, a lot of virtue signaling and showing, look at what I'm doing. But, I mean, their bills are never going anywhere. Ron Gillum's in the chat room. He says, one of the complaints against me is, well, why haven't you uh, even passed one bill? He says, uh-huh. look at the committee chair makeup. Look at the makeup of the House. It's about numbers, and we don't have enough yet. Uh, same kind of thing. I mean, you could put all those bills out there, but if they haven't had all the work done behind them, if they haven't had the analysis and the sectional and the request for committee hearings and the, and the fiscal notes and everything else attached to them, then it just doesn't matter. Then it's just nothing but wind at that point. Yes, and that's the problem, right? So you can you can get that i mean i've heard i've been i'm gonna have a challenger whatever right and i'm already hearing the rumbling saying well i haven't heard anything come out of shadow's office well you know first of all i'm not passing name of bridge bills right i'm actually working <laughs> on ones that are substantive substantive and exceedingly hard to do i kind of do the you know john kennedy quote right it's like i choose to do things not because they are easy but because they are hard well if they're worthwhile they're probably probably i'm not saying naming a bridge after somebody is, is a bad thing i'm saying that it's not hard you can zip that through the legislature in, in, a, in a few weeks, you know, but the bills that are full of substance that make a big difference, they're very often very contentious. Look at SB 91, SB 91 repeal or the read by nine act or the election integrity stuff I'm doing. They're difficult, politically contentious, and they take a long time and they may not fail or they may take many years. So I, I know that uh, Machiki has been working on the alcohol bill for like eight or nine years and it still hasn't passed. Right. So, when you say that, you have to put it in context of what kind of bills you're working on. And then, as I think you're alluding to what Ron is alluding to, is that you can be, in his case, in a minority, even though there's more Republicans, but we've talked about that a lot, on why Republicans don't control because of personality conflicts and some sold their soul to the Democrats, you know, et cetera. If Ron puts in a bill and the Democrats don't like it because they control all the committees, well, guess what? 
it's just going to sit there, and there's nothing he can do. They can try to pull it out on the floor. They're going to get voted down. He can go to the chairman and make request after request after request. Many of them have. I know they have. I've talked to them about it. And they just get shot down. They go, nope, 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 don't have to hear it. Because the chairman doesn't have to hear a bill. Now, here's what's interesting about that. is The uniform rules are specifically clear. And as I have pointed out here before, the way our laws work, if you were to rack and stack them, it's the Constitution, supreme law of the land. Right. The uniform rules we operate under, which are higher and above the statutes, the laws that we follow. Right. I have had chairs like Hannon say on the radio, and I talked about that many, many weeks ago here, you know, shouldn't showers bill over here given my committee? I'm not going to hear it. I'm like, well, good on you for admitting to everybody you're just going to break the law. Because that's not what it says. The uniform rules are clear. You will take action on every bill in your committee. Now, the loophole, the way people get around it, is they'll say, well, I just don't have time. I can't get to it. You know, whatever, whatever. There'll be excuses, right? So you're never going to ping anybody on it. But it's not the right way to operate. It's not the spirit of law, right? Sometimes there's a spirit in the letter. And I can give an example. I can't get to every bill. I have heard as many bills as I can, Mike, and I still have, I think, 29 left in my committee. And there's no possible way for me to get to them because it takes too long. One bill can take up an entire meeting. I get an hour and a half twice a week. That's it. And I've had at this point probably way over 100 bills. So do the math. On two days a week, you know, during the three and a half month session, roughly do it two years in a row. You can't possibly get to them all because there's too many. Um, at this point, I think it was like 500 bills total. But my point is, is that in many cases, if you're following the rules, and you look at somebody's bill, you at least give a hearing. That's kind of the intent, right, is that everybody will get heard. And and I looked at mine for, like, all the senators, and I've given everybody that had bills, because I tried to divvy it up, everybody that has bills in the committee, has. I'm talking senators, has gotten hearings, one or two bills at least, and moved, actually, through my committee, Democrats and Republicans. So I'm being fair, trying to get it across the board, right, um, with a little more priority to the governor and to the you know, the Republican caucus members, because that's just, that's, you have the power, so you do it, right? But you still hear the other ones. You're not supposed to just blow them off. So long answer to what Ron was talking about, but there's context. People don't just say one thing, well, X, Y, Z. Well, no, there's reasons for it, good or bad, but there are reasons why that may happen. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, again, I think people have to understand the process. And I think that's what's lacking in this is that most people don't understand the, well, I think it's twofold. First of all, most people don't understand the overall process. Uh, they haven't witnessed it firsthand or they haven't dug deep enough in to see exactly how it works. And second of all, we have politicians who have for years promised things that are well beyond their ken. And what I mean is you could say, I'm going to fight for a pull PFD. Uh, and but, you know, but again, temper the expectations of the voters to say, I'm going to do everything I can to get a full PFD, but it's going to be an uphill battle because I have to convince, you know, 39 other yahoos to join with me. Uh, but instead, you got politicians saying, I'm going to get you that full PFD. I'm going to do it. It's going to be me. I'm going to be the one that's going to be your hero. And not understanding that they're, you know, that the politicians are not managing the expectations properly. Instead, they're using hyperbole to uh, to you know stir up their base, so to speak, and to get those votes. And then they're shocked, shocked, I tell you, when uh, the the promises are not delivered on because the reality slaps them directly in the face. Yeah, I mean, look, I go back to what I was in 2018 doing that, Mike, and I tried to be very careful about it. I said I believe in the full PFD. I still do. I still think it's important to the economy, and I have you know kind of planted the flag on the ground. 
compared to some people, because for me, the dividend goes back to helping Alaskans because we can, and we have the means to, and it was put in place really for that reason. You know, it, yes, it's our share of the, you know, the state's wealth because we don't own the ground under our feet, you know, and all the different things about it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, I, I quite frankly, and I know some people don't agree with this, quite frankly, if we could have means tested it, you know, the, the upper tier ones that don't need it are not that many when you look at the numbers, right? I mean, the top 5% is a tiny portion of the population. If we could means test it and the courts would have allowed us, which they don't, I would do that, right? And it wouldn't have that big of a bump on it because it's not that many people relatively. But, Mike, the program is a huge benefit to the bottom two-thirds of the middle class and the poor. And for that reason alone, growing up poor, it's one of the reasons I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support that program at every level, every time, every vote, and I have. We get outvoted. That's why I try to tell people, if you think we're a red legislature, you got to think again. This is actually had this discussion a few times this week. So let's think about this. Everybody goes, oh, well, there's more Republicans. So we're a red legislature. They always show Alaska red in the map, but it's not. It's purple. And because you go, you have, you know, 16 Democrats, but really you got more than 16 Democrats because we got a couple independents. And I, I'm always clear, yeah. Josiah Puckatuck, he's not independent. He's a very conservative, independent, you know, young man. And so he's independent truly on his own and has voted and shows that in his votes. But the other couple independents, they ain't independent, brother. They're Democrats. Look at their APOC reports and other stuff. Independent is code word in, code word in Alaska for Democrat because you're not going to get elected if you say Democrat, so they, they go independent, but they're not, right? So let's talk about that for a fact. But when you look at Alaska and go, well, look, there's you know 60 legislators and 27 of them are Republicans. It should be red, right? Well, well it's not, because maybe a quarter, not even a third, or, or maybe a third or whatever, you know, are actually, you know, would be called conservative or, you know, whatever you want to call it. A third in the middle would be moderate, you know, and you, when you look at the politics in, the, in a third or to the right or to the left. So you, you have some very moderate or even, and I know some people don't like the title, like Democrat light based on votes, Republicans. That's the district they come in. This is you and I have talked about in the program. That's the districts they come from. Everybody goes, vote them out. I go, well, you're going to get another one just like them because that's what the district wants, right? That's why they keep going back. So you don't have to like it, but that's clearly the, the politics of that district or we're putting up terrible candidates. Right. You know, they're not strong enough to beat the person that's in there. But my point is, Mike, you're not really a, a red legislature. He'll talk about Florida and DeSantis. Well, he's got a very red legislature behind him, allowing him to do all these things. If, he, if DeSantis, <laughs> a legislature like Alaska, he wouldn't be the talk of the nation because he wouldn't be getting done much. He wouldn't be getting the, you know much done either. He might make good speeches and twist arms and do some different stuff. But the point is, is that we're really not a red legislature. We're purple at best. Because look at the votes, and look at what you have even in the Republicans. Many of them are right. very moderate. So be it. But that's reality. Uh, Mike Shower, two minutes here, and I really mean it. Two minutes uh, <laughs> for you to uh, for you to uh, to do it. So uh, let's uh, let's let's get going on here. Sure. I don't know. Tell me what to talk about in two minutes. I mean, we talked ourselves out and talked about everything you said we should talk about. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that that's all well and good. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But uh, uh, what are we going to be watching out for this week, I guess? Okay. Well, watch. here's the thing I would say for now. Um, the big topic, the, the, the most broad that's going to cover everybody is obviously the budget, the money, the PFD battle. That's in the Senate this week. Everything else is mostly personal legislation, election integrity, read by nine, blah, 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 all that stuff over the next, till next Wednesday. 
the, the biggest news will probably be what happens with the budget, how does it get broke up, what's in it, how much is it, you know, the battle on the floor, is the PFD included into it, and then what the Senate does, if anything, with a statutory change bill. So the Senate is probably the biggest focus for the next few days, week, whatever, um, on what happens with your PFD and what happens with how much money this state is going to spend to do stuff. And remember what I told you, $4.5 billion left over to play with. And as I'm told, I believe it was, I could have it just a little wrong, 8.4%, I believe, is the budget increase from last year we're talking about. So while the private economy gets slaughtered and it's been struggling, an eight and a half or so percent increase to government spending, that's what I believe we're working with right now. So how about them peanuts? How about uh, a good way to finish for it? How about them way? How about that way? I like it. All right, hold the line. Uh, Mike Shower, thank you so much for being part of it. Out of time today, folks. we got more coming up tomorrow. I have no idea what. We'll figure something out. It'll be fun. The Michael Duke Show. Live well. Be kind to one another. Love one another. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, all right. There you go. Uh, anything else to add, Mike, since we're here? I just want to throw that out there for you. Nah. If there was, I would have said it on the <laughs> overall radio. Man. We're just uh, keep, keep, your, keep your powder dry. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting week. By keep- next week. Next time we talk next Wednesday, we're going to have a really good idea because you're only one week from the end on what things will look like. There may not be the final answer yet for conference committees, but by next Wednesday, brother, we'll have a pretty good idea of, of how we're going to finish up, I think. Yeah. That can always go south on us, but I think we will. So, All right. And we're going to be relying on the governor. I think he's going to have to – he might have to pull out that old red pen a little bit, so we'll see how it goes. My friend, thank you so much for coming on board. As always, it is a pleasure talking to you, and we will see you next week uh, with the final final stages of the legislature. Thank you for being here. All right, brother. Thanks Take for being part we'll of it. Folks, out of time. Yes, now I want donuts. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now I want donuts, Chris. Thank you. All right, my friends, we will see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
shed our terrestrial radio skin. And now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 